This episode of the Autism Dad Podcast is brought to you by Goalie. As parents, it sometimes feels like we are constantly nagging our kids to work on their daily living routines. Things like hygiene and bedtime and homework can be so challenging. We know our kids need to learn this stuff, especially as they move towards independence, but sometimes there's just not enough time in a day. Parenting is tough. Trying to balance everything when it comes to raising kids is not easy, and sometimes, as parents, we could use a little help. Enter Goalie. Goalie is a digital visual scheduler, AAC talker, token board system, and more, all rolled into one easy-to-use app. It's made for unique thinkers like autistic kids and kids with ADHD. Kids, together with Goalie, can conquer daily routines and therapy practice without prompting from mom or dad. This reduces that feeling of nagging your kids, and it also grants your kids some autonomy to sort of manage their own lives. Goalie can easily be used on your child's existing device or with Goalie's optional and affordable dedicated device. In my house, we found that the dedicated device seems to work better for my son, so that's what we use. For more information, you can visit getgoalie.com, that's G-E-T-G-O-A-L-L-Y.com, and use the code THEAUTISMDAD and save 10% off your order. Welcome to the Autism Dad Podcast. I'm Rob Gorski, and on this show, we talk about all things related to autism and parenting and ADHD and mental health and self-care and being a mom and being a dad and all kinds of things that are important and relevant in your life that maybe we just don't talk about enough. So thank you for taking the time to tune in. I really do appreciate that. Okay, so today's listener question is a really, really good one, and it's been asked probably I think four or five times just in the last couple of days. So I want to go ahead and take it on. And so I, I kind of changed the plans for today's uh, original agenda and, and, and we're going to do something different. That question is, how do you talk to your child about autism? And it can come from a couple different perspectives. One is, how do I explain to my son that his sister is autistic or vice versa? And then the other side of it is, is you know, my child was diagnosed with autism and they're starting to ask questions. How do I help them understand what autism is? How do I... How do I talk to them about this without making them feel bad about themselves or feel like they're less than or, or have any kind of negative connotation come from this conversation? Those are really, really good questions. So the best way to address this, honestly, is not to ask me directly because I, I, I feel like I probably did my kids a disservice when I fumbled my way through this years and years ago. But I do have a friend who just happens to be autistic and she lives in Belgium. So she's staying up really late tonight to, to help out with this. And I really appreciate it. Uh, but she's, she's the perfect person to have this conversation with because she's autistic. She's had to have, uh, she had this conversation with her parents and she has a lot of really good insights and advice about how to help us as parents navigate this with our autistic kids. So thank you Rose for staying up late and taking the time to come on the show. Could you take a minute and just tell everybody a little bit about who you are? And then let's uh, jump into this question. How long have we got? <laughs> right? I know. Um, I am. So I'm Rose. Uh, I'm 29. Um, also known as a tint of Rose on Instagram. Mm -hmm. um, I have diagnosed ADHD and autism amongst other things like CPTSD and then a bunch of um, physical illnesses. Uh, and I have somehow fallen very, very happily into being extremely open about my life with said basket of labels. <laughs> um, and I, at the moment, I'm, I'm working kind of part-time, not even part-time for a company based in the US um, whilst I live in Europe. Uh, and a lot of that is tailored to the fact that I have autism and that I want to make sure that anyone who deals with autistic people has is doing so correctly, let's put it that way. Um, and uh, another thing about me is that I'm quite well known for having a pink penguin everywhere I go because I can't have 
a therapy a therapy animal just yet. So I carry a stuffed animal around. Um, and I'm slowly getting to the point of having no shame. So I even bring it to the nail salon. Um, and I think that's about all I can think of right now because I'm trying to keep it short. That's, that's good. <laughs> that's great. That's a perfect intro. Um, okay. So how do we do this? Like how, how do parents have this conversation with their kids and how, how can we do this in a way that is positive and empowering and leaves, um, leaves our kids feeling good about themselves. I don't know if that makes sense. Um, it's really funny actually, because like the first thing that came to my mind was, so I was diagnosed, uh, in my twenties and so I didn't have, and I hate to say it this way, but I didn't have the luxury of having any idea why I was different growing up. Um, and one of the first things that me and my parents talked about, so my parents are both autistic and I have autism and like they were diagnosed at around the same time as me. So they were like, you know, 50, a little bit over 50, I'm not entirely sure, around 50. Um, and I think one of the first things I said was, if you'd known when I was younger, and I think I said it like this, I said, if you'd known when I was younger, would you put me in special school? And my parents kind of like jumped in and were like, well, we wouldn't put you in special school, but we might have, you know, been able to tailor your education a different way had we have known. And it, you know, maybe I wouldn't have been kicked out of school and all the other things I got into. Um, but that I remember thinking there and then like, how would I have felt if I'd known then, as opposed to if I know now? And it was like a processing thing for me because if my parents came to me and I'm like, I don't know, let's start with eight years old. And I've started to notice that I don't click necessarily with the kids. And I feel like I'm playing in the sandpit on my own. I'm coming home and telling mom, like, I feel like nobody likes me or the teachers don't like me. Or like, I feel like I'm weird. I'm wondering like how, how that would have gone. Especially because, I mean, I'm fortunate in the fact that my parents and I have always been incredibly close, very open, very, very like really open as a family. Like there's really nothing we can't say to each other. I'm pretty sure it would have been, it would have fallen on my mom and she probably would have had to make me understand without being patronizing. Cause I think we often patronize children thinking they're not as smart as they are. Um, I think it would have been a case of making me feel like there's nothing wrong with the fact that I seem different to the kids, mm -hmm. but that I am different. And then embracing that as a good thing. I think it's really important not to be like, dismissive because I think a lot of parents will want to comfort their child like you want to comfort them by saying no you're not weird you're not different you're not you're just like the other kids that feels like a comfort but actually as they progress forward it will be a negative um it's actually better to just be like yeah you are different and it's what makes you so amazing and yeah you probably do feel different to Sally Tom and Harry but that's just because they, they're different and they have a different way of thinking. But actually, that's totally normal. You never know. There might be some some people in your class like you. So I think it's more normalizing it without it being overly done. Because I also I mean, I'm under the opinion that like sometimes it's really nice to say that autism is a superpower. But I think to an adult, it's good to say that. But if I say to a, a 10 year old, you having autism makes you a superhero. There's a lot of negatives that could come out of that, like the kid going to school and being like, my parents say I'm a superhero, so I'm better than you. And that's going to ostracize them more. Mm -hmm. It also puts a very young mind in a vulnerable position of thinking that they have something over the other children. Um, it is such a delicate thing. Like, I really feel for parents that are going to have their kids be of such a tender age because it's already difficult if they have any kind of like minority status or if like their hair is different or if they have to wear glasses or they have freckles it's already difficult sending your kid off to the scary world of school and then having that one thing that's a bit different like a birthmark on their face anything that like a kid because kids are evil kids could prey on 
but it really is a sense of like giving the comfort of like not ignoring that they're different but embracing it and being like actually as you know if I said to a kid I promise you by the time you're 14 you're going to notice loads of other people are different like you it gives them a different way of thinking about it like I'm not elite I'm just not finding the people like me um I don't know that I think that's just because that's how I would want it done for me and also because I'm so so aware of how vulnerable young minds are and it's kind of like just giving your kid a shield but not full armor because they they need to embrace that they're different as they grow right but they also need to be aware that that's not a bad thing I I think a lot of times that's a really good point I think a lot of times we especially kids, right? We talked about, I mean, kids are horrible sometimes. Yes. And I mean, they just are right. They're, they're just, they're cute and whatever, but like they can be awful to each other. And, you know, a lot of times our, our kids look at different as being a negative thing, right? Like you're different. You don't look like the rest of us. So there's something wrong with you. And, and you get that sort of stereotypical, um, viewpoint of, of, of being different. And that means there's something bad or there's something wrong with you or you need to be fixed. And the reality is that we're all different, right? We're just different in different ways and different isn't a bad thing. And I think that with my kids, uh, they're very therapized. So they've, um, we never really use the word autism in this house unless it's related to like work that I'm doing or a doctor's appointment or something like that. But even with my oldest, you know, trying to get my younger kids to understand why he acted the way that, that he did and do it in such a way that was not, um, a negative thing. Right. So Mm -hmm, it was mm -hmm. like, you know, some people's brains are wired and they work differently than what ours do. They see things differently. They, uh, respond to things differently and that's okay. You know, we're all, we're all different. We're all unique. And there are things about you that are different than him. And there's things about him that are different than you. And and that's okay. You know, because it, it shouldn't matter. You know, we need to embrace our differences and, uh, and focus on the things that, that bind us together. Right. It's tough though, to, to get kids to comprehend the complexity of something like autism. Because it is so dynamic and it is so fluid and it is so dependent on the person as to how it yeah, presents. Yeah, I mean, you having the boys in the one under one roof, you know, not one of your kids is going to be the same. Doesn't doesn't mean they don't have autism. It's autism. It just means they have a different version to themselves. Yeah. You know, one of the confusing parts to explain to kids too is like you can have kids that are that do really really well and you just you know they're autistic because they've been tested or there's little quirks and things like that. But then you can have someone with Mm -hmm. the exact same diagnosis who is, uh, unable to speak and can't feed Mm -hmm. themselves. And, you know, it's homeschooled Mm -hmm. because they are, yeah, I mean, there's, and it all falls under the same name. And as adults, that's hard to parse. Mm -hmm. And for kids, Mm -hmm. it's even worse because, uh, you know, I think they can associate their identity too, even at a young age with a label or, or diagnosis. Yeah. Probably because also, you know, kids are, we're so curious. I mean, adults are curious too, but like at that age, they're going to go, but what does that mean? What does that mean though, mom? 
Like, what do you, what, why, why do I have that word and they don't? And what does that mean? What does it mean about me? And does it mean, you know, and it's very, I think it's like, I always think of it as like, it's not like one thing for the kid. Like it's a process. Like, you know, there's so much out there. Like this is why representation is also so important. Like if you're able to sit your kid down and say, you know, you know, this famous face that you like from the TV, that person's autistic. And then like be able to use it as an example and explain why, you know, and I think then there's like having the teachers involved and there's having, there's a lot of books for like, there's a lot of books out there for parents and children. Um, and I can't quote one right now, but there's a lot of books that like offer parents to do with their children that like have examples of children with autism at school and like how they might have this need or that need. And it's like, if the child sees, oh, Fred in this book is really good at math for stereotypes. He's really good at math, but also like really struggles with textures of foods. And then the kid goes, but that's like me. And then the parent is able to say, that's what I mean when I say that you're autistic and that you might have these different needs. Um, Again, I, I, it's really like a massive thing for me that like, the, it's hard, right? Because I don't think parents can do this on their own. Um, it's it's such a scary thing for them because they're probably, you know, you as a parent are thinking, how do I make sure I do this right so I don't mess it up for their future? But I think just genuinely having that that open mind and the, those conversations and all the different things, as I mentioned before, to help have those conversations, you can't be doing anything wrong. It's really like, I can't imagine a parent sitting a child down having really serious, like scary talk and being like, so we have to tell you something, you're autistic. That's terrible. That is the only thing I can think of that you can't do. Um, but I imagine any any parent that's asking you for advice is not that type right. of person. Um, I really think it takes um, a, a village in a sense, if that's the yeah, right, I don't know that's, if that's, that's the right, the right saying. Um, because also that's very validating. It's very confirming. Like, oh, we all know that you are. So we all okay with it. And your teachers are cool with it. And like, it's not, you know, it's not like a hush hush thing. But this is what we we need to, you know, deal with as we move forward. And you should be able to come to us and talk to us. If, if there's something you're feeling and you think, is this because I'm autistic? You just ask us and we can discuss it. I think that's also really important. But like you said, your kids are all super therapized. I think that's honestly quite important too. That's been very helpful for me because there's a lot of times when I would run into a, a situation where I'm not, uh, I just don't know what to do. Right. I used to be just like, well, we have Patty on Tuesday, so we'll talk to Patty as a therapist. We'll, we'll bring this up at therapy and we'll have a conversation. And, uh, that way we have guidance and someone there to kind of facilitate a conversation and, and help me, I think that's brilliant. And I think it, that's absolutely brilliant. And it, and it, and it helped. It, it helped. And we've never had that talk again because it was just, uh, yeah, you know, you guys are autistic and that just means this. And it means that, you know, you, you might, you might see the world a little bit differently than the rest of us do, which is really cool because you guys see things that I can't see. And that, that mm -hmm. really helps me to be a better person, you know, and, and, mm -hmm. and kind of build them up. But like you said, I, I don't, the whole like superpower thing. Like, I, I feel like, I feel like there's toxic positive with that. I feel like there's yeah, it's a hard one, right? Right. right? I feel like there's positive toxic positivity. positivity. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that's, and you know, I mean, I think we could be developmentally appropriate with our kids, you know, based on their age and what they're capable of understanding, but just feel like, look, it's, you know, humans are, it's a human condition. It's kind of like I'm left-handed, you're right-handed, right? It, it makes us that's exactly how I see it. Yeah. Yeah. It really, like you said, it depends on age as well, right? Like that got me thinking, um, 
you know, lots of kids like science projects, mm -hmm. like lots of kids like the science behind things. Like I remember loving making sherbet and I'm not sure what that had to do with school. Um, <laughs> but if I think about it, like dependent on their age, if you're able to sit down with a child and say, so actually what autism is about is about neurodiversity. And then you're able to go down a very simple path of what neurology is and what neurodiversity means. And some people are neurotypical and some people are neurodiverse and it's just the way the world works. And if there's a science, like a fun, very layman's terms version of the science or picture book version of the science behind it, it's also really easy for the kids to follow. And then they're able to just think to themselves like, oh, so there's like two types of brains basically. And it's not that simple, but they don't need all the information at that age. Right. They just need to understand the the kind of integral part of it. So I think, you know, it, I can imagine like, this is such a stereotype, but I can imagine sitting in my little sundown and being like, let's talk about neurology and let's see like, this is neurotypicalness and this is neurodiversity. And it works because of this. And it's just a different way of wiring a brain. And I love the saying, like, lots of kids from young ages nowadays have have phones. I don't know how it's possible eight-year-olds have phones, but they do. Yeah. If they've got an iPhone or an Android, I love that saying that's like some people are an Android and some people are an iPhone. And they're not the same pro, pro, um, processor. Operating system, yeah. Operating system, that's the one. They're not the same operating system, but they still make the phone work. And you can still communicate together. Yes, exactly. Yeah, they still get along. You just can't you can't do the same thing on both. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's just a little bit it's a little bit different and our differences make us stronger. 1000%. And like it's I think do you know what actually? I don't even just think neurodiverse kids need this. I think all children should at some point be having these talks because it's like this I don't remember there being really any talks in my childhood at school about like what we're talking about now, just in general, like that people need to be different, that people think differently, that people are different, that without so nothing functions. Um, and there's not enough emphasis on that for just any child to learn that as they grow up. There's not enough emphasis. So it's not just about educating their, their children what neurodiversity is and whether or not they have autism. It's also just like all children at some point should be having these conversations. It should be so normalized. Um, and it probably would take some of the weight off of these parents if some of this was happening in the school curriculum, if some of this was happening in day-to-day -day conversations. Do you have one piece of advice for parents who are trying to have that conversation with their kids for whatever reason? Like my biggest, your biggest. Uh, I honestly think the thing that keeps springing to mind is do not sit them down in your living room and make it a really serious thing. Like go for a walk in a park and bring it up and like sit down on a bench and be like, oh yeah, like as if it's just totally nonchalant. For the first time, if it's going to be brought up, I really don't think it should be done in, a, in what kids find scary, which is, oh, we're sitting in the living room and this is a really serious talk. Like what happened to Santa kind of thing, yeah. you know? Like I just don't think that's appropriate. I think it's much better when you kind of just throw it in slowly, like at the swimming pool or at the restaurant or like walking around or just like on the way home from school in the car. It doesn't matter if you have a sit down later down the line or maybe the kid will come to you and have the sit down with you. But I think my biggest, strongest advice is like don't make it too serious um, because that stuff scars us. Like I can remember having conversations like that with my parents and I remember just you just become anxious and then it's like it's not a nice thing. It needs to feel nice. It sets a tone, but not it taints the, yeah. the experience. Yeah. Yes, anytime that my would be my, my best any Anytime my parents called me into the living room and were like, Rob, sit down, we need to talk. 
my stomach is already churning. Like, you know what I mean? You just, right. And, and so I can imagine that if you, if you did that with with a kid, the first, they're going to associate that feeling with whatever you're telling them. Yes. You know, 1000%. So if you're at, if you're at a playground, yeah. So if you're, well, that's true. I mean, so if if you're at a playground and you're just maybe just sitting on a bench talking and watching all these kids play, you'd be like, look, all these kids out here, everybody thinks differently. Everybody does things differently. Everybody's brain works a little bit differently. And there's probably kids out there who, who, you know, brain works the same way that yours does. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, it's just, it's just a thing, you know, like I said, left-handed, right-handed, you know, it, it just yeah. is what it is. Even if you're like turning it around, even if you're sitting on that bench and you're saying to your kid, like, you know, like kind of casual, cause like I said, kids are smarter than we think. You just say to your kid, like, do you sometimes feel like you're different to the kids around you and see what the kid says? And it opens up the ground and it makes them feel like the conversation is back and forth and it doesn't feel so much like mommy's telling me something and I'm really scared, you know? That's a good idea. Or daddy's telling me. That's a really good idea. I always think actually giving kids more power of a conversation is so much more beneficial to them listening. It's like first asking them like, do you feel different? Or, you know, when you're at school, do you sometimes feel like you're not like them? And it just like... Talk to them like you would your friend because worst case scenario, I mean, I, I anticipate that you're not talking to the kid too young about this stuff. Anyway. Right. It would be appropriate, whatever you're, whatever you're, yeah, yeah, appropriate for their age, but not talk to them as though they're incapable of having a conversation. Like, right, right. And it's like, like I said, like giving them that power of conversation is so much more open and so much more relaxing. And maybe the kid would just say like, yeah, sometimes. And that's straight away an opportunity to go, well, actually, you know, I really hate, like you said, I really hate the whole, I need to tell you something. Cause I just know as a kid, you're like, ah, did the mouse die? Like what happened? Like you just, you panic Yeah. or like, oh, what have I done wrong? Or, and, and, and even just like the, that feeling that you've done something wrong will be associated with mommy told me I'm autistic and I felt like I'd done something wrong. Do you know what and, I mean? And then that, that can carry over forever. Right. I mean, you, you can always associate, yeah. especially in autistic kids you know, they can associate that feeling with that word and then it just yes. follows them for the rest of their lives. And yes. even if it's done with the best of intentions. So I really like your approach and I Thank like you. the fact- And I'm not a parent, so. <laughs> well, right. Yeah, you're not, you're, yeah, I know you're not a parent, but, but for somebody who's lived through it and yeah. has as much experience as you do, and it's, it's very helpful for people like myself. I mean, I wish I'd had this advice, you know, 20 years ago. or whatever. I think you've done a fantastic Thank job. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> but for, for the parents who are going through this now, it's really helpful, you know, because yeah. you know what to avoid. And it, I mean, it's not like a blanket approach for every kid because every situation is different. But no. if you, if you have a framework of like, Hey, this is what we're going to do. We're going to say whatever we're going to say, but let's do it in a, in a neutral environment where the kids are, yeah. you know, on a playground or we're, we're out having ice cream so that it's a, it's, it's associated with a positive thing. And we don't yeah, make yeah. it like a, a, a clinical anatomy or biology yeah. lesson or something like that. We just like, look, everybody's different. And, and you have that conversation and, and then you can leave it at that. And maybe you have to have another one later, or maybe they have questions and you can answer them. It's a process, right? It's exactly like you say, like maybe a couple of weeks later, you're like, hey, I got this book. Do you want to check it out with me? And it's like the kind of book I'm, I'm saying where a parent uh, parent and child book about autism or like, you know, like, oh, you know, were you curious? It's like some famous people that are like you. And then you can because there's lots of famous people who are diagnosed with autism. Mm-hmm. So it's like I think it is. It's like a, a conversation that carries itself. And like the kid, like you said, might be curious or not. They might be repentant at first. I mean, not every kid is open to these things. Um, but I think 
I think once that initial introduction has happened, I do think most parents have like a natural course of instinct anyway. Mm -hmm. So it would flow. Yeah. And I really like the asking them, do you ever feel different? Or, or do, you, mm-hmm. do you feel like you're different from other? And because then I think that's how my mom always approached me. Yeah. She always kind of said, like, do you feel different? Or like, did you feel that? Or, you know, just like, I think my mom often gave it to me to lead, but actually she was probably leading. <laughs> well, and it, and it makes you and it's it's not a, it's not accusatory. It's not threatening. Not that it would be threatening, yeah. but, but you know what I mean? Like it's it. Yeah, it puts the ball very much in their court. Not triggering. And. And they could be like, well, you know, you know, yeah, I do kind of feel different. And it's like, well, tell me about it. Like what, what's going on that makes you feel different? And then you can have a conversation and that could open up everything without having to just like, like you're autistic or yeah. whatever. And then, yeah. and you can just have it in the course of a conversation where your kid's opening up to you, which is really important. And, uh, yeah. So this is, you know, there's so many examples of that. Like if it's, it doesn't necessarily have to be the, the differences, it could be like, I think my mom once asked me, we were at like a, a chocolate thing where you got to try lots of chocolate. And I think she just flat out said to me, like, do you get overwhelmed when you have to deal with me being with you and all the noises? And like, she was just kind of describing what she thought I might have been feeling. And then I was able to say, well, yeah, actually, that's exactly what it's like. And then she was able to equate that back to it being part of my neurodiversity. So I think, you know, it depends on what a good thing to pick on would be. But it, like any version of putting the power in the kid's hand to say, actually, yeah, you're right. I do feel that is already an example for them. So when you say it's actually to do with your autism or your ADHD or whatever, then the kid's going, oh, that makes more sense now. You know, so it's it's very much helping them relate themselves to the new label that you're introducing them to. Hmm. Very, very helpful. Very helpful. <laughs> I, I, I hope so. Yeah, no, I, I really appreciate it, Rose. Thank you uh, so much for being so open. And and, I mean, you're open across the board, like on your social media and stuff like that. I mean, you you share what it's like and it really helps parents. And and I think one thing that we should probably mention that we didn't, um, is that you can reach out to autistic adults and, and ask, ask like what, what can, what can I do to help, you know, my child? Like, how can I approach this with them? That would be, you know, best for them or how can I do this in a way that's non-threatening or like whatever and parents need support like they need like another parent they can ask like how did you do it and how did you do it they need community they need support yeah and and it's just like when when when, uh I asked you if you had this conversation it because you're you're an expert to me like you you (laughs) you can you have an ability to have that conversation share your insights and do it in a way that is uh it's very digestible for parents. So it's not overwhelming. It's, it's very helpful. And, uh, I've had so many people just in the last couple of weeks, bring this topic up. And I thought this would be a great opportunity to have this, this chat and, and, um, see if we would make me so happy if it helps them. Yeah. See if it helps some parents and I'm, I'm sure it will. Uh, I had someone, I can't imagine. I can't, no, I cannot imagine if I, if I'd known, at a young age, how that conversation would have gone. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't, I just had a mom, uh, send me a message on Instagram asking me the same thing. Like how, how can you approach this with, uh, her son? And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to have this conversation like tomorrow and I'll tag you <laughs> as soon as, you know, it gets done because I, I think it will be really helpful for you. So it is, a, it is a very common 
uh, question. Much more common than I, yeah. than I thought. I'm glad it's being asked. I'm glad people are asking. And I'm glad they're coming to you because, I mean, it's kind of, you're the autism dad. Like, <laughs> um, you are living and learning as you go. So I think, yeah, I'm really I'm really glad that, that, that it says a lot about the parents that they're asking. I think for, for starters, pat on the back, because that says a lot about how their their level of care is mm-hmm. and their level of wanting to get it right. And also like my, my other piece of advice directly to the parents is like, don't beat yourself up if you don't get it right. Um, because you're not an expert, like you're thrown in the deep end as a parent anyway, right. let alone when your kid has got some form of diversity. Yep. Um, 1000%. You're human. Allow yourself to be human. Yeah. Thank you again for your time. I really appreciate it. And uh, we'll talk soon. Uh, real quick, before I close things out, I want to say thank you to Rose for staying up really, really, really late at the last minute to help answer this question. And uh, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. And I, and I just want to reiterate the fact that autistic adults are an invaluable resource. Guys, like reach out to them and ask them your questions because majority of the time, they're more than happy to share their insight and their experience. And we just have to listen, right? So uh, I, I really hope that this, this helped and, you know, keep your questions coming because I, I, I really love trying to point, at least point you guys in the right direction. Anyways, uh, as always, you can find me at listen.theautismdad.com. You can submit your questions for Friday episodes or your feedback, or you can be, you can apply to be a guest or, you know, whatever, whatever you want to do, you can interact with everything right there on the, on the website. And you can also follow me and subscribe on any one of your favorite podcast listening apps, just hit that button. I really appreciate it. Uh, I hope you guys have a great weekend. And if you have any more questions, don't be afraid to reach out. All right. Take care. See you later. Bye.